Hey, if you got your Bible, uh, turn to jo- uh, Joshua 24. <laughs> That's where we're going to be hanging out today. Uh, I, I want to tell you about the day that I knew uh, that Jennifer, my wife, was meant for me. And that day was the 15th day of us being together. Uh, because the 15th day meant that we had crossed the two-week barrier. And I never had a, a hard rule of two weeks, but there was something uh, subconscious in me that in the first two weeks of me being in a relationship, I was really good at finding something I didn't like about that person. And, and I, I couldn't move on. Like it, it just grew and grew and grew, and I couldn't move past that. Um, I don't know if it was the exclusivity of it or what, but it, it made me realize that I have commitment issues. Uh, I have commitment issues in, in relationships back then, uh, but I had commitment issues in, in things that, that, that I would decide to do um, when I was in high school and jobs that I committed to and projects that I committed to. Uh, I was really good at jumping all in, uh, but after that faded, I was really bad at following through with what I had committed to. I heard a sports broadcaster uh, talking about he had an opportunity to go play at Augusta National. Uh, The Masters is played there. And Augusta National, you don't just walk up and play there. You have to get invited uh, to play there. So he had been invited to play there. And he said every tee box that he got on, all he could look at was the next hole because they were so close together. So he's teeing off on one hole and he's looking at the next hole. And he said, I was never fully committed to the hole that I was playing on. And all I want to do is go back and play there again and be where I was at. And and I was like, man, that's me. I'm rarely committed to where I'm at because I had commitment issues. Let's pray. God, as we open your word this morning, I ask that you would bring life out of it. Uh, that you would give us ears to hear uh, what it is that you have to say in this place, that that hearts uh, that need a word of conviction, that hearts that need a word of hope, that need a word of love, that need a word of discipline, and that you would give us ears to hear what it is you have to say. And God, I ask humbly that you would pour through me the gift of preaching, uh, that every word that comes from my mouth would be of you, that all eyes are turned to you, that truth, that love, that the body of Christ is grown this morning uh, because of us being together. In the name of Jesus, the church said, amen. So Joshua 24 opens with Joshua, who at this point is almost to the end of his life. In fact, that's what he says. He says, I'm, I, my days are ending. And so I want you to picture this. Joshua stands up in front of thousands of people, in front of the Israelites, and he's worn from battle, and his voice is weak. Uh, but the scars are there, and the people, the people know this man has walked the road. You know, he had grown up uh, at, in, in the Israelites. He, he, he became the commander of the army under Moses. When Moses passed away, Joshua steps into the role as leader of the Israelites. He, he's seen Jericho. He's seen the promised land. He's seen all these things. And he stands up in front of the people, and he begins to tell them, about all the things that God has done to bring them to where they are at now. He starts with Abraham, then he goes to Isaac and Jacob, and he walks through Egypt, 
and how God brought the Israelites out of Egypt. And he talks about uh, how God provided for them in the desert and he provided food every morning. He brought water out of rocks. He provided a cloud to lead them, a pillar of fire at night to lead them. He, he, he split a sea for them to walk through to get to the other side. And he tells them all of these things that God has done to bring them to where they're at now. And he tells them this because the Israelites had commitment issues. You see, God would do things and they would come back to God and they would repent and they would confess and they would, they would fully offer their sacrifices to God. And then another God would come along and they, their eyes would turn and they would wander. And then God would do something and they would respond back to God and they would repent. And this was just this repetitive cycle similar to us today. Because we as a people have commitment issues. Some of, them, some of them are okay in the generation we live in. And then, and then others, we create ways to make it really easy to have commitment issues. Uh, athletes change teams really often when they get upset about something. Uh, we change schools often. We change work often. You know, our, our fathers, our grandfathers, you know, they found their job and they worked there for 40, 50 years. And that's not as common today. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when we get upset about something or, or maybe we get tired of something, we look for greener grass. We look for something new. Uh, maybe it's something we get upset about in the church. And, and so we just say, well, we'll just change churches, right? Um, in our marriages, we get upset about stuff. And people, we've made it really easy for people to trade marriages. We have commitment issues as a people. And this, this, is, what, this is what God says about that. Joshua, Joshua talks about the names of God. We see it a lot in the Old Testament of the names of God. And a lot of the names that are given to God are adjectives of who God is. We, we see king of kings. We see redeemer. We see savior. We see counselor. We see forgiver of sins. All of these things that are traits of who God is. And this is, this is what it says in Exodus 34, 14. It says, do not worship any other God for the Lord your God, get this, whose name is Jealous, capital J, his name is Jealous. And for us, that, that word brings a weight. It brings, it brings a negative connotation when we hear the word jealous. And this is what it says about God. It says that God is in a relentless pursuit because of his jealousy for his bride. Because the way that we are described all throughout the Old Testament is as the bride of God. When, when, when the prophets talk about the Israelites turning away, it's often talked about as a cheating spouse. It talks about adultery and how the Israelites cheated on God. When we get to the, the New Testament, the church is called the bride of Christ. Jesus tells these stories about a bride preparing herself and waiting for her bridegroom. And so we see this, this uh, analogy of marriage that's put as God and his people, and that we, a people who have commitment issues, have cheated on God. And that's the difference between God and other gods, because they're not described as jealous. 
and they're not described as in relentless pursuit of their people. When we see other religions around the world, you have Hinduism that, that worships many gods. You have Buddhism that works, worships the inner being. You have uh, Islam that worships uh, Allah. And, and all of these gods are something that's set apart from their people, that they've made this way, that this is the way that you live. And if you don't live up to this way, there is a consequence to pay to get back into some type of relationship. And what we see through the God that we serve in Christianity is that our God, when we mess up, is in relentless pursuit for his people to restore a relationship because of his jealousy for us. It is a relentless love that brings about a jealousy for his bride. If I were to cheat on my wife, and you were to go talk to her, her response would be, eh, that's okay. At least I would hope not, right? And that's what we see from God. When we, when we cheat on God, God's response is not, eh, okay. We see he leaves the 99 to pursue the one because he is in relentless pursuit for the heart of his people out of his jealousy, and he says, you choose. Here are other options for you. But if you are going to be in relationship with me, it is not both and, it is me. And that's where Joshua comes in Joshua 24 as he gets to the end and he says, you choose. Here are other options for you and you choose who you are going to serve. You see, everyone worships and chooses gods, and they bring their offerings, and what you pursue is what you worship. It's not necessarily what you say you worship. What you pursue is what you worship. You choose this day who you will serve. And so these are the options that Joshua lays out. Joshua 14, he begins this. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your forefathers. Worship beyond the river. And so that's option number one. You have the gods of your fathers. You got the gods of your mothers. Earlier in Joshua 24, he, he puts it this way. He, he says that the story started with Abram, but before Abram was his father, Terah. And in verse 2, it says, Long ago your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abram, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. Abram's father was an idol worshiper, and he worshipped other gods. And what our God says is, that's an option. You can worship gods of your forefathers. For some of you, you had fathers and mothers that laid out a path of faith for, for you that we celebrate, and they laid foundations of faith for you that we celebrate, and some of you did not have that. Some of you grew up in church, and, and church was abused, and the Word of God was abused, and it brought about guilt, and it brought about shame, and that's an option for you. That's what Joshua says. He says, that's an option for you. You can worship the God of your fathers. For some of you, you grew up with a father who modeled uh, just a, a workaholic lifestyle, that your life is found in your work. You work 60 hours a week. You, you chase the, the American dream. How much money can you get? 
and your father wasn't present, and that was modeled in your life, and that's how you've begun to live your life, modeling to your children, whether you know it or not. It's called the law of exposure. It's a psychological law of exposure that says what we are around in our transformative years forms how we will behave. And for some of us, we worship the gods of our fathers, the gods of our mothers, Our parents' goals that they had for your family have become your goals that you have for your family. And so I ask, search yourself. Is it your faith that you live in or is it your parents' faith that you live in? And like I said, for some of us, our parents, that's not a bad thing, but you have to to found your feet in your faith or else we fall on weak sand. Option number two that he says, starting in verse 15, he says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river. Now, beyond the river means Egypt. And so we step back into the past. This is, where, this is where the Israelites came from. You see, it should have been about a, about a month-long trip to get from Egypt to the promised land. And the Israelites turned a month-long trip into a 40-year trip, the longest camping trip ever, because they, their eyes continued to wander from their God. And it chased idols, and it chased, as some scholars would call it, it chased lovers less wild than God. And it was their past, because 400 years in Egypt, many of the Egyptian traditions, the Egyptian culture, the Egyptian gods had begun to creep into the Israelites' way of life. And it was gods of their past that were guiding their way still. And for some of you, your past, your baggage is still what guides your way. And you think, man, I thought I was beyond this now. And this still hinders me. This is still lingering. Why is this still here? Why am I still addicted to the same things? Why are my habits still the same way? Why, has, why do old habits die hard? Particularly old worship habits die hard. And things that you thought were over is still there. You see, the issue isn't following Jesus. I think everyone in here would say, I can follow Jesus. The issue is when we choose to follow Jesus and bring our baggage with us. Because God says, that's not an option. You cannot carry both and. There's an old uh, South Indian way of life. There were, there were some villages in South India that, that had monkey problems. And so they began to trap monkeys so that they could get rid of these. Many of you have heard about this method. What they would do is they would take a coconut and they would hollow it out and they would make a small hole that a monkey could fit its hand into. And they would place food inside of this coconut. And so the monkeys would come during the night and they would stick their hand into the coconut. And when they grabbed the food, their fist made it too big to get their hand out. 
and they wouldn't let go of the food. And so they would sit there all night waiting for the hunters to come to be killed. And we hear that and we're like, man, those stupid monkeys, they couldn't even let go of some food. And that's us. Because we have our hand in the past that we refuse to let go of because of, maybe it's because of the exclusivity of if I let go of that, that means that I'm truly removing myself from things that have defined me for so long. And I'm not ready for that yet. And God says, it's not an option. It's not both and. This is how it is. Joshua says, or you can serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. See, the Amorites are the people that they just defeated in their last battle. And the Amorites are still living among the Israelites. And for some of us, one of the gods that, 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 that we serve or gods that we struggle is the God of proximity of our culture. It's the TV we watch. It's the things we talk about at work. It's the things we listen to on the radio. It's the things that that commercials tell us to pursue. It's the the things that, that we allow to penetrate into our souls, but then begin to form our behavior. Like, I'm not trying to cast judgment on anyone here, but but I I can't wrap my mind around how we can we can put a TV show on that is a man or woman that has 30 people that they're going to sleep with and then decide which one is going to be their soulmate. And our culture celebrates that. And we step into that as well and think that there is a way that that does not cause harm to our souls. I'm not even mentioning the show. Somebody after first service said, man, you called out that show. I didn't call any show by name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry that you heard it through that filter. <laughs> but there are things in our culture that we have allowed to creep into our homes, to creep into our marriages, to creep into ourself that we think will not affect who we are. And Satan laughs. It's the God of our culture. It's the God of of time and place. You see, the the Amorites still worshiped their own gods. They worshiped Baal. Baal was, when, when, when we first see Baal enter this story, Baal is the God of weather, which then that kind of grow, grew into a, uh, Baal was also the god of temple prostitution. So they worship Baal, and then they also worship Ashtoreth. And Ashtoreth was uh, the god of fertility, which then grew into the god of sex and sexual rituals. And these are, these are the gods that were among the Israelites. These were, this was their culture. And, and, and we say to ourselves, well, we don't have temple prostitution today. We don't worship the weather today. No, but we have gods of our culture that are all around us that we allow to creep into our lives still. And unless we let those go, we make it really difficult to choose option four. And so that's what Joshua says. Joshua says, you have all these other gods. 
But let me tell you who I'm serving. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you have these other choices, and what have they done for you? Have they brought you wealth? Have they brought you pleasure? Have they brought you power? Have they brought you superiority? Or have they enslaved you? Have they robbed you of joy? Have they left you disappointed? And you choose for yourself this day. You see, one one of the things that's not an option is it's not an option to not choose. Maybe maybe you say, I'm I'm not ready to choose yet. Then you're making a choice. Because the the opposite of theology is not atheism. And I think that's what a lot of us think, that that we think the opposite of theology, the opposite of belief is atheism, and it's not. The opposite of theology is idolatry. The opposite of our theology is idolatry. And when we don't choose, we choose idolatry. So these are two words that Joshua puts in there when he says, you choose. He says, you choose this day. Your choice doesn't wait for tomorrow. It doesn't wait for a year. It doesn't wait till my kids get out of the house. It doesn't wait till I get a better job. You choose this day. And after you choose this day, you choose tomorrow. And after you choose tomorrow, you choose Tuesday. And after you choose Tuesday, you choose Wednesday. Because for some of us, particularly the ones that are holding on to the past, it is a daily decision that we have to make to let go of things of the past. For those of us who have chosen culture, it is a daily decision that we make to not worship the God of our culture, but to step in and worship the Lord God, who what Romans says is demonstrated his love for you by while you were still sinners, Christ died for you this day. Not when you got better. Not when you figured it out. Not when you weren't them. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That is how he demonstrated his love, which is in relentless pursuit out of his jealousy for his people to be the bride of Christ that he has called you to be this day. So will you step into it? Because our choices reveal the God that we worship. So I don't want to ask you this morning, what gods are you worshiping? That, That doesn't speak to us in our culture. Here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you, what choices are you making? Because The choices that you are making tell me exactly the gods that you're worshiping. And when we choose option number four, we choose worship of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
And here's one of the things that I think is extremely important that Joshua said this. And I really want to speak to the husbands and the fathers in the room right now. Because Joshua stood up in front of thousands of people and he made this this declaration for his house. It wasn't for him. It was for his house. And so to the husbands and the fathers in the room, will you make that declaration for your house? Will you make that declaration for your family, for your marriage? And I'm not even talking about saying it. Will you do it for your family? Will you show your kids that they are worth it? Will you show your wife that she is worth it? And will you choose this day that your house will serve the Lord? And our choices reveal it. Our past priorities, our past pursuits, do they continue to influence you? Are they still lingering? And if so, it's time to let them go. Because if the choices that you're making are not reflecting Christ, if the choices that you are making are not reflecting Christ, then I really want to challenge you to rethink some choices that you're making. This day. So our altar team is going to be up at the front. I'm going to ask that you stand. We're going to pray. Um, our altar team's up here to pray with you. But I really want to challenge you, particularly, particularly marriages. I want to challenge you to pray together right now. To commit that as a team, your house will serve the Lord. Maybe, maybe you're here by yourself. I want to challenge you to have a friend If you see someone that's a friend in this room, tell them right now, my house will serve the Lord. And we step into this together as the bride of Christ. We step into this together. So God, I ask that this morning that the the gods of our past the gods we grew up with, the gods of our culture will be conquered by the name of Jesus. Would no longer define, would no longer set course for us, but that throughout this room right now, that there are declarations being made that say, this day we will serve the Lord. And that in those declarations, I pray that prophetically, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, we will see the great fruit that comes from your name because of declarations that are made today in our city in our homes, that the testimony of Jesus Christ will be on our lips because of the relentless love that has been demonstrated for us. That our culture will not set our path. Our computers, our phones won't set our path. 
our televisions, our job descriptions, our expectations at work, that those things will be filtered through the blood of Jesus, through the grace of Jesus, through the relentless love of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we will serve the Lord this day. And the church said, amen.